Well, welcome to the Discipleship for the Decades podcast. I'm Jeremy, the Blaze Youth Director here at Bethel. I am joined by the Reverend Karis Kemp and uh, Reverend Dr. Tom Boone, Senior Pastor, Associate Pastor here at Bethel. And we are back for episode number three of the podcast. Obviously, we haven't pointed out yet, but it is decorated for Christmas. Um, we do have some cool, exciting stuff coming up for Christmas. Uh, Karis, do you want to explain a little bit, just a one-minute version one of minute Christmas version. Eve, quickly, of what's going on? So, obviously, we are uh, dealing with all shades of different colors through our county and their COVID numbers. Uh, in preparation for whatever may come our way, we decided to take our worship service outdoors this time around, which I think there's going to be some fun joy in being outdoors together. So, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon, Two identical services, about a half an hour, come warm and cozy. We'll have hot chocolate stations. We have some surprises that I'm not going to tell you about because if I told you about them, that would ruin them. So we have some fun things planned to keep them family friendly. And we're excited that it could be also just an outreach to our neighborhood and an expression of celebrating Jesus's birth in a very public way that I think is engaging as people drive by. And then we'll also have an online at 7.30 p.m. Uh, that we'll stream, and uh, you can jump in from the coziness of your home and your jammies by your fireplace and your tree. Are we still calling it Christmas Eve celebration? Sure. Wasn't that something that we... Celebration. We, Christmas Eve celebration on the lawn or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely on the line. It's and definitely we're celebrating, celebrating. So I think that's fair. Sure. I think those are okay. good words. There you go. Christmas Eve celebration. Yeah. Well, we are uh, unfortunately anticipating probably uh, worse COVID numbers while we're talking about heading outside. Um, but we are currently in the building uh, for Sunday morning's uh, worship. And so this past week, we talked uh, and heard from Reverend Dr. Tom Boone and from the sermon this week. So Tom, as sure. we typically do, why don't we start with that sermon wrap up? Absolutely. I'll aim for two minutes here. So... Um, you know, what we did is we looked at this uh, chapter, Matthew 19, and, and and the more I looked at it, the more I saw something pop out to me, that these were, Jesus is involved in several different kinds of conversations, and the conversations have a theme, and it's with people who are, are coming from a, a position of advantage in that, of that society, and, and they're, and the conversations all seem to orient around the need to control life to even to the point of our eternal destiny. And so Jesus engages this conversation more in depth with this one rich young man. And uh, he has this idea that if he does, a cer does certain things, he will earn eternal life, uh, score enough Jesus points, maybe. Uh, and, and so the question he asks is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's the question he asks. And it, Proverbs 19 has this, this verse that I did not touch into because I didn't want to focus it, but there's this, Jesus taps into this verse. He says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So that's part of the wisdom, the ancient wisdom behind this question, all right? Um, and Jesus' answer, and I didn't, go into that because I didn't want to make it a sermon about giving to the poor. 
that that was not the direction I wanted to go. Um, instead, I wanted to focus on this blind spot of surrender, which I think Jesus is tackling throughout that chapter, um, our need to control too much. We've got to surrender that. Uh, and it's, it's an attempt for Jesus to say, hey, trust God with not just giving you things, um, providing you what, whatever you have, but trust to you know, surrender it back to him. If it, everything, if that's what he's asking you, he's not saying you have to give everything up, all of us. He is saying, if I ask that of you, will you do so cheerfully? And 2 Corinthians 9 gets at that. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and so there are lots of ways to surrender. You take Sabbath, it's surrendering one day out of our week uh, to really focus on resting in the Lord and, and learning of him a little bit differently. Um, our bodies are another way we surrender certain things. And, and surrender is tough. So I developed two takeaways there. One was um, obviously prayer, because Jesus says, you know, with humans this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then the second one, which probably you want to tease out a little bit more, is accountability. We can't do this just on our own. We have to pull somebody into that equation and, and let that person in and ask, so how's it going with this whole surrendering control thing? So that's the sermon in a nutshell. So we hear uh, from the, the passage that we read, um, what I hear you saying, though, is we don't have to give up all our worldly possessions unless we're asked, right? The guy in the story gets pretty sad when he's told that he oh, has to do that. Sure. Um, we don't have to be sad like that, right? That's what we're saying? Well, that's, again, that's, I think that gets to that wisdom that Paul's reflecting. And it comes really from, from Proverbs uh, chapter 19. As we give, we're really giving to the Lord. That there's this, and it, that Matthew 25, as you've done to the least of these, you've done it to me. So there's some kind of sacred act that goes on here. And we should be glad to give to the Lord. We should be glad to, hey, God, take whatever I have as yours and, and use it how you wish. I get to partner with you on that. So there's just cheerfulness to it, not a sadness. It's interesting. Uh, I don't have, I didn't, sometimes we have questions that we talk about beforehand. This was not one of those. But Christmas is not, especially in the society that w in which we live, is not a time that we often think about giving. We often feel like we, especially mm. working with the students, right, they're expectant of the Christmas presents that are to come, right? The Christmas break that I deserve, right? It's a, what, it's a lot of, what we see in society is what we're receiving. This idea of giving is not something that comes naturally to most of us. Um, and I just, I find that interesting uh, as we talk about this and it's Advent, it's Christmas, it's um, uh, an interesting time to to really think on that. And I don't know, do you guys find it hard or harder to give uh, or easier to give. Randy and I were talking about this last night uh, because we are talking about, you know, family. Okay, who all are we getting presents for? How, you know, do we do that when we're not together? What are the parameters? And so many families have their, what they do. So maybe you draw a name from a hat. And so whoever you draw, that's the person you get your gift for. Mm -hmm. He also uh, has a, 
a sister who passed away several years ago, but she was an amazing gift giver. And you knew when Brenda gave you a gift, it was this like outpouring of what you were saying, Tom, this coming from her joy and delight in giving a gift. And not only was it a gift, but it was like the perfect gift, the right gift for that person. And so she set a standard of, okay, if we're going to give something, I want to give something that means something. And, and so Randy was just talking about, well, what's the purpose behind gift giving? And he was getting full, philosophical on me last <laughs> night. And I like Randy. Yeah, yeah. He, oh, I know. Yeah. He really uh -huh. he was asking those to you. And we were just sitting around the fire talking about it. And I, I think it, it is a, applicable to your sermon in the sense that this is a season where, yes, as kids, you're all about the receipt. I think as you mature, you realize that this is a season where there's a rhythm of generosity. And, you know, it's in our culture, but it's also, you don't have to, but you can, and you can be abundantly generous. And you can say, I'm gonna bless those second cousins that I barely know with the honey baked ham or whatever it is that you give, that there's this choice to say, I can be abundant, I can be generous, even if it's homemade gifts that, that are uh, generous with time, generous with energy. So, it's And that could have been a whole way to go with that. would have been a, a, a completely other way to go with the message. That's the beautiful thing about this passage. You can go a lot of different directions. That's certainly, I think, one that's very valid, Jeremy, and, and thanks for bringing that up. Well, and it's interesting. Um, some of you at home probably have had this argument. I know in my family we have, is a gift card... <laughs> a, a, a reasonable gift to give somebody, right? It doesn't come across as personal. It doesn't, but I, I do think it's the heart behind why we give um, because I'm always like, I just don't know what I want. So can you just let, you know, give me a gift card. Let me, when something strikes, I'll go out and buy it. And if somebody's my, asking for a gift card, that, hey, Right? Go Brilliant. Mom Easy. Is, my mom is not necessarily, I know she might be watching, not necessarily on the same plane uh, there in that way of thinking. So we, we did talk, so it is about true surrender, yeah. right? And you gave us some examples, Tom, of what that surrender could look like, right? Maybe it's giving a, up a Sabbath uh, that some of us often don't do, um, but obviously it's something that biblically we're called to. Uh, what are some other ways that we can truly surrender in our life? Anyone have any? Well, I think you know, as you're uh, you go through life, there's your life. There's different phases of what you have to give up, and I think in marriage, you get married sometimes, and oh, this thing that I had this time to watch my soccer game, uh, oh, now I have a choice. If I could spend four hours doing that or I could take a walk. Or, you know, there's these seasons where what you, what you may be prompted to give up changes, right? So I was thinking about this season for me um, and really time and my own agenda is often what needs to be surrendered. And to say, you know what, I have things to do but the choice to sit with my daughter and talk to her and have a real talk or go do something uh, with Randy, instead of just reading my novel, I'm gonna be relational and personal. And there's fruit from that and, it's, and you can be cheerful about it as well. Sometimes it takes a little arm twisting to remember, oh yeah, this is a good thing. Yep, uh-huh. But I think those are, those are things that as I ponder that I feel convicted yeah. by God, this is something that I can 
surrender and say, you matter more than the things that I feel like I'm needing to control, which gets to your your sermon point of this holding on to control, right? Yeah. yeah. And who was it that said they, you know, they want their hands to be not to be so tight that God could take something from it? Yeah. That's a over paraphrasation. Corey Ten Boom. Yes. Yeah. This is a remarkable testimony on her part. Yeah. Chuck Swindoll, like she was, like she was talking with Charles Swindoll, in, 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 in an interview there, and um, they had that exchange. Yeah, that was, that was very that was interesting. Yeah, for me, uh, surrender is not easy. And if you've listened to the first couple of podcasts, you probably know that about me, right? I'm a go-getter, want to just do stuff on my own. And so it's hard to say, okay, God, I'm going to let you handle this, right? I'm going to let you take this. Why is it so hard for us to surrender? What is it about life, especially where we find ourselves now, about our human nature? What is it about that that makes it so hard to <laughs> Tom and I were talking about, talking about that. It goes all the way back to the beginning, it right, does. Tom? It goes does. to the tree. This you go goes, ahead and start, and then I'll, I'll follow yeah, up. Yeah, you know, you think about what was the real crux issue in, in the fall, and it was about surrender of control. It was, do I trust that God's abundant plan, which included some parameters around a certain tree, uh, this is the tree you are not to eat from, but everything else is yours, Trust my plan. And really, I think it was God saying, I want this abundance. I want this garden for you. Um, and there's parameters around that. And you can choose it. And I think that's why the tree was there. You can choose it or you can, you can choose something else. Yeah. And so when we say, I'm going to choose to surrender and live in that abundant place, that's, that's the, that goes way back, but it's daily, right? Yeah, it is. There's a Quote, to answer your question, there's lots of iterations to a sermon other than the one that we hear on a Sunday. And one of the earlier iterations is I was jotting some, some high-level notes. Elizabeth Elliot wrote a book, and it's called The Path of Loneliness, and it's about the wilderness, about moving from the wilderness to God, which I thought was very appropriate for this whole year, actually. And she had this remarkable statement about surrender. I want to read that now. Can we give up all for the love of God? When the surrender of ourselves seems too much to ask, it is first of all because our thoughts about God himself are paltry. So that answers your question. Yep. We have not really seen him. We have hardly tested him at all and learned how good he is. Mm. If with courage and joy we pour ourselves out for him and for others for his sake— it is not possible to lose, in any sense, anything worth keeping. We will lose ourselves and our selfishness. We will gain everything worth having. Mm. Wow. So I think, for me, the answer to the question goes back to, I, I don't think we trust God enough. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's the deep spiritual condition that goes all the way back. Mm -hmm. That even as Christians, I think, you know, it's, let's go ahead and put that out there on the table we all wrestle with this, yeah, and we're always going to be growing into this. Um, and uh, so for me, I think that's it. No, I think those are great. Um, and that's why it led us to that first stepping stone. Um, I'm doing them in reverse order, but prayer, right? That deep trust and yeah. of God starts with prayer, right? What are some ways 
when let's get real when we're praying and we want surrender we're asking god hey we need to surrender we want you to take control what is some of the verbiage that you guys use in your prayers to ask god to or to surrender over to god um something because that's what this is about right real faith meets real life um and so hopefully you'll be able to take away things that you can do in your everyday life. But what's that prayer look like for you? I think one thing that, um, you know, anxiety, right? Fear. So much of that is at the root of prying our fingers off of control Mm -hmm. that when you feel like your hands are grasped tightly to say, Lord, I'm holding on, literally holding on to anxiety, my control, my fear, stuff that's not your abundant best. I'm going to give it to you. Will you take my fear, my anxiety, my anger, whatever the emotion is, and will you replace it with your peace, with your joy, with your delight, with your love, with your compassion, and Mm -hmm. to literally sometimes take your hands and think about that visual of, I'm letting it go, and I need you to replace it with you, rather than all of my, all of my stuff, and so that's a regular for me. Yeah, that, that prayer posture of open hands right on your knees there's something about that that right it's no longer it's the clenched fists it's the open palms do you have anything tom when you're trying to surrender things i just say two words help me you know i that sums it up for me just help me lord let go even of this and i did it with my daughter i've done it with some very significant people so much but things that i was very passionate about mm-hmm. yeah okay lord help me give it up help me surrender this and because the credit if i don't i the credit comes to me and it's got to go to god yep. it's so that if it happens it's god did god did this yep and that's good mm-hmm but where I find, I, so where that, but where that meets resistance, even among Christians, is, is particularly with folks who would come back and say, but you have to have a plan. I mean, you got it. You got it. You got to know where you're going. And, and I don't, I haven't found the words yet to say that those aren't two necessarily opposed things. Yeah. But yes. But do I have enough flexibility to say, okay, Lord, it's, it, I can't control this anymore. It's yours. So, well, and that's it. somewhat very Presbyterian of us, right? Oh, to, sure. To have the plan, to want to know what, where we're going, to you know, to have a step by step process, and that's a really great thing. But yeah, if process God, is a good word, right? Process. Yes, <laughs> but if God throws a monkey wrench in there, are we are we able to pivot? That word yeah. that we've used a lot, and just it's not easy to pivot. No. Yeah. Well, and that's, so that leads us to that second stepping stone, right? We start with prayer and then it goes to that piece, Tom, you're talking about the accountability um, and having someone in our lives that we can turn to. So first off, would y'all care to share who that is for you? Who in your life do you turn to uh, as that kind of accountability to help you surrender? Well, I I think there's different people for different things for me. And for sure, my spouse, Randy, is accountability for sure. We're go-tos for each other. Um, But there's also, uh, I've been talking to a spiritual director once a month, and that's been a different form of accountability. And it's really a beautiful 
listening that I receive from this person, but it, there's also an expectation of you're going to spill it and you're going to be real. Mm-hmm. And so that accountability there. And, you know, I think of just Christians, Christian brothers and sisters who've been in my life for a long time. And, you know, our uh, the best man from our wedding was visiting us recently. And to be able to sit down at a table with a puzzle spread all out and to really talk about matters that matter and to get to deep things together and to say, hey, tell me this story and help me understand your process. And for him to be able to look into my parenting, which he's been witnessing, you know, the past three days up close. How, how does that feel when your kid says this? And so it was this great with old friends. You can, you can have those conversations and hopefully with new friends. I agree. I think it, it does depend. Joy is my accountability person. Um, and I think COVID, one of the blessings that's happened is that there's, it's all in the open. I mean, you can't hide work even now. Yep. And, and so there's that accountability. Um, Eco puts, has accountability very high. So I've got a, an accountability group, um, two different ones actually. Um, I kind of joke with you that and say, more. I guess I need more than, than most. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but even with that, you, you don't let everything out. So, so I think it's important to have somebody that you can certainly pry into and say, okay, let's talk about this from an issue of surrender mm-hmm. and, and to be able to be comfortable with somebody enough who can, can walk you through maybe some options. Um, and I do have somebody that I can do that. And Joy is, is among, there's, there's, she's one of them. Um, that I can do that with securely. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it obviously is Anne. Um, and, you know, I always say she's what she's who keeps my head screwed on most of the time. I would probably lose it if it wasn't for her. Um, but it is, it's this accountability piece because um, she knows just as much as I talk about it that surrender isn't easy for me, right? So she's always there to pull back on the reins if need be. And I think now I I would take the opportunity now um, a little bit similar to what we've talked about, but also if you can find a counselor of some kind, um, somebody that is outside of a situation, um, that is always a great way to help your mental health, but also have someone that can hold you accountable, but isn't necessarily in the situation. I think that's tough if you find, if you find someone that's too close to the situation um, where they may have stake in the game. Uh, yeah. It's usually not going to be the best for the you. Best and I think your point Sunday of making sure that it's somebody that you know uh, an intimate relationship could oh, yeah. come from this, right? And you have to be careful, be careful with in that. who you choose. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, accountability is huge. It's something that we all need as Christians. Um, and so I thought those were two really great stepping stones. Great. Nothing, you know, I think the goal here is not to have anything super astronomical that we have to be able to do, right? It's something daily that we can do that's easy, easy. It's not always easy, um, but we we try to make it as easy as possible, right, to be able to live right. out. And we all know accountability is not easy because there is a sense yeah. that you're letting somebody in. Yep. And you're giving them some you're control. Surrendering you're surrendering. You're surrendering, yeah. <laughs> like, that's not easy. That's yeah. hard. Uh, but, but I think this is one of the things that uh, Catholic orders do very well. Um, they live in community. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's not easy, and it's very messy at times. Uh, but there's this, and we are called an evangelical, a covenant order of evangelical 
Presbyterian, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's an order, and there's that accountability yep. piece there yeah. that is part of our being. I think we're just, we are just at the nascent edge of this. And um, I'm excited about that, our, our movement growing more into that, that way of being, rather than just kind of boardroom, top-down, executive, yeah. corporate stuff, um, that there's a more ordered presence of accountability. And we'll see how that goes. Well, I would say even this right here, this team, this is it, yeah. staff, there's accountability there. There's, hey, yep. did you do what you said you were going to do? Did we you do follow through that. with this? We do that. <laughs> uh-huh. That is part we of our that. life together. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, well, hopefully this has been uh, beneficial uh, for you. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us. Uh, We will say that next week, I think we're going to have a special guest, uh, Reverend Dr. Tom Labonte, our assistant pastor for congregational care, is going to be with us. So I think we're going to hear a little bit about our Bethel Care folks, that team of great lay leaders that go out and do a lot of our visitation, uh, do prayer, communion, um, do some really cool stuff. Uh, so this will be a great time to, as we head into Christmas, be able to pivot and really just look at one of the cool ways that God is using one of our ministries here at Bethel um, next week. So be sure to join us for episode four next week. We can't wait to see you then. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.